Well, hello, everybody. It's wonderful to have you with us. I pray wherever you are that you uh, know that God is with you exactly in the place where you are. Well, we've started a series and this series is called How to Follow Jesus. And the daily devotionals are all about knowing Jesus. Well, this series is about how to follow Jesus. Let's do a little summary of where we were. Uh, Last week, we talked about and we looked at the Scriptures of John the Baptist who was going along. He sees Jesus and and he says to two of his followers to go follow Jesus. And Jesus notices them and Jesus says to them, what are you following me for? What do you want? And they don't ask Jesus anything about him. But they say to him, um, where are you staying? Which is the oddest comment. Imagine if you were at the shops and someone walked up to you and go, oh, where are you staying? Where do you live? You know? But what they were really saying was, you know, if we come and see where you live, we will know something about you. We'll know something because where we live says something about who we are. Where we live says something about things we value. Where we live says something about, about the things that are around us that matter to us. Uh, And Jesus' response to these two guys is interesting. Jesus says to them, well, come to my house, you can come. Um, You know, and he says to them, he says to them, well, you come, come the way you are. He says to them, come with all your questions, come with your unchanged life. He doesn't say to them, well, what I need you to do is to go and change that and sin no more. He doesn't say that, he says, just come. Uh, he says, come with all your sins. He says, come with the way you live. He says, come and just hang out with me. Because he knows if they hang out with him, that they will be changed. And we talked last week about how do you come and see in our modern world? And this really comes from the life where I was lived when I was, when I was very privileged to have a priest in my life who said to me, I'll teach you how to have a relationship with Jesus. And, and, he was, and he was pretty, very strict and very, um, strict's the wrong word, but he was very passionate about it. And he wanted that for me. And, and, and there's five things that he talked about, about how to come and see. It was number one, he used to say, spend a minimum of 15 minutes of, uh, in prayer every day, not in bed, not in the shower, not lying down, not in front of the TV. He used to say, make sure when you get there, you're still, because you can be so busy when you pray. He said, don't ask for things the whole time because sometimes you can fall into the trap of just asking God for stuff all the time. And he, said, he said, ask Jesus to come to you. Ask Jesus to come to you, right? Ask Jesus to come to you. And then he said, and listen with all your senses. And I've said that in a different way to what's on the screen for this simple, simple reason, is because there isn't a formula in terms of how you would do it. It was just that those things are important to make sure that you get done, to get those five, to get those five things done. Well, the second part in this series today that I want to talk about is I want to talk about the language of living in the presence of God. Because language is the way we communicate. It's, language comes from our heart. Remember Jesus said, he said, it's what comes out of a person that expresses what's inside them. You ever, have, ever had an argument with someone, ever wondered what someone is thinking and then they say it and you go, ah, oh, that's what you're thinking, that's what you're feeling. That's who you are. What comes out of our mouth says something about who we are. So language is important. The second reason that language is important for us as we build this impactors community, both here and, and, and all over the world in places where we are, is language is, it defines the culture 
and the way our people understand things. And so if you look at different religious groups, different religious orders through history, often they'll have language that is specific to them. And if someone else hears the language, it's got to be interpreted because they don't understand that language. And in the same way for us to be able to affect the world, to be people who create this environment that is attractive to people that are committed in their faith and help them grow, and create this environment that's attractive to people who aren't so sure about God or have fallen away from God and to come back to God and grow, we're going to need language and we have to have understanding. We've got to have our way of of, of expressing things. Language also captures emotion, captures emotion. There, There are things that different people say in different environments and it's important. Uh, this probably is, is, is the most important message that I've given in 12 months. And, and I suspect will be the most important message that I give in the next year. This will set up the next year, what I'm about to talk about today. Because if we get language, you get so many other things. But if you miss this, what we're doing online, the impact is online, will be far less than what it could have been. And what he, us here in the room will be far less than what we could have been. Language, it, language and having a language to speak says so much because it's an expression of what comes out of our heart. So this is, this is one of those days where you'd sit up extra, extra in, your, in your chair and you'd listen. Um, and if you're driving in a car somewhere listening, keep your eyes open, all right? Yeah. Um, see, see this, this, this is just so important to us. Words have power. Words build. Words say, I'm going to go do that. When I was starting this, and I remember sharing it with some people uh, many years ago, saying, I'm going to go and do this thing. I didn't even quite have all the words to say. People came and said to me, well, if you're going to do that, I'm going to do that. Words carry a a meaning. They carry emotion. They carry uh, commitment. They carry desperation. They carry aspiration. They carry humour with them. And and, and so words become important. So if, if we are to be the people that God has called us to be, if we are to have influence both in all the places we are, then our language is critical to understanding what we are about. Now, along the way, I'm going to teach you some new words that'll be just our words that other people won't use anywhere, right? Anywhere. Uh, One of the more serious words that I'd like to teach you is the word bagravation. If we put that on the screen, what's bagravation mean? Do you know what this means? Bagravation is this, and I know this well. Bagravation, it's a feeling of annoyance and anger one endures at the airport when their bags have not been arrived at the baggage carousel, but everyone else's bags have. See, immediately you've all got emotion there, haven't you? And you can feel what that's like for me when my bags didn't turn up and I was on the other side of the world for six days. And I looked at all these other happy people who walked up to the baggage carousel and they go, oh, it's my bag. Oh, I like that, but look at the colour of my bag. Oh, and look at the lovely ribbon I put on the top of it. And I'm just standing there, the loser that I was, without my bag. <laughs> I was bagravated in a big way. See, language is important. So we're going to talk about the language of living in God's presence because we want it to have emotion and we want it to say something. Um, our lives are meant to be lived with an awareness that no matter where we are, 
no matter what time or place we are in, that God is with us. Uh, Not just in the present, but even in the future. This week, someone wrote to me. And someone wrote to me, and if you, if you listen to the beginning of the television programs or the daily devotionals, I always start by saying, you know, it's great to have you with us. I hope you know that God is with you exactly in the place where you are. And then when I finish, I always end, end by saying, and don't forget God is never far away from you. And someone wrote to me and said to me, well, you're saying at the beginning that God is with you right there. And then you end by saying he's not far away. Which is it? And, and, and is that theologically, what's the theology of that? Well, well, well I, I've, I've written back to the person and I said to them, well, well, I start because I want to remind people of the truth that God is everywhere and he's right in the place we are. And, that, and, and what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to speak pastorally, not necessarily academically or theologically, but pastorally to say to people exactly whatever you're going through, However tough, however easy, however, uh, whatever you're going through, God is there. And then at the end, say to them, and don't forget God's never far from you. Because whilst we're ending, what, what I've discovered with so many people is people forget. How many of you forget when you're going in the midst of something and you're with someone, and, you know, and a husband or a wife or a family member who's ill or dying, and you forget that God is right there then? And you're going to think, oh, he's so far away. Or you're going through a hard time, you know, or you're about to ask that girl out on a date for the very first time. And it's those times you've got to remember that God is there. And sometimes we forget he's not far away, but we have to step into who he is. We've got to remind ourselves of the truth is that he's always there. Our language can do that for us. Our language can remind us that God is with us. And so I'm going to go to the scriptures today and I'm going to spend, I'm going to make five points and I'm going to talk about a scripture that will go with each of these points. And then, and then in the coming days, in the coming weeks, in the coming months, whether you're here, whether you're online, it'll be up to you as to you if you become that person because the language is, is the same. Yesterday, one of the staff sent me a little video of myself speaking in Portuguese. And I looked at myself and the latest, you know, AI, artificial intelligence, now can do dubbing in such a way that it somehow changes your mouth, that it actually looks as if you're actually saying what you're saying and you have no idea what you're saying. And I was looking at myself going, yeah, gee whiz, you know, I look so attractive speaking Portuguese. I just don't know what I said, you know. And and so so language, language is just so meaningful to us. When we look at the life of Jesus... When we look at the life of Jesus, we see the man Jesus, the man Jesus constantly in this conversation with his Father in heaven. Jesus constantly in conversation. Jesus lived as if God the Father was right there with him all of the time. And there's only that moment when he hangs on the cross and he says, you know, you know Father, why have you abandoned me? But for the rest of it, there's that moment, there's that that sense of God being with him all the time. Jesus spoke a language that was a language of, well, of intimacy, a language toward his father that said, I love you and I'm loved by you and I am you and you are me and together I'm in you and you're in me. Jesus refers to God as his father, particularly when in prayer. 
And, 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 this was a, and, and Jesus spoke in a highly personalised way and often he referred to his, his father as Abba. And, and if you have a look at the, what, what that means in the interpretation, Abba means, well, the best way to describe it is daddy. It, it, is, it, is, this, it is a, a term of affection. And he speaks to his dad like that. Uh, when I think of my father, who's, who has passed away now, I can think of conversations. I had four brothers and I, and occasionally you would get alone with dad, you know, and when I became older and I, I was married and I would go back and I'd speak to dad and, I'd, and he'd sit at the end of the kitchen table where he would often talk to us. And, and I still remember having conversations with him as if he was, as someone who was just immensely special to me, you know. Uh, and Jesus speaks to his, God the Father, just like I used to speak to my dad. I remember my oldest brother saying to me when he was 40, he said, have you noticed we're, we're grown men now? We've got our own families. We're living away from home. We've been living away for decades. And dad still treats us like his kids. He still feels he can tell us. Because you're never not dad, are you? You're never not mum, are you? You may, you may have to be careful how you say it, but you never know what you still love. And Jesus encourages his, his, his followers to, to speak and to relate to God with a language that is intimate. And so here's five langu- languages, you might say, five ways to speak of God's presence in our lives. And for many of us, this will be new. And, and for some of us, we won't be in the habit of doing this. And how do you create the habit? You, you, you choose to do something and to remind yourself to do it. And so I'm going to, do, I'm going to give five of these. And then I'm going to ask you to choose one. Not five, but to choose one. And to say I'm going to practise it for the next 30 days every day. Pick one. And, and don't pick them all, just pick one. And, if you, and, and as you pick one, It'll take you a while to begin to get this into vocabulary. And once you've got it, you know, then you can move on to another one. And maybe if you're uh, in a situation, married, or you've got friends or family, uh, they pick different ones, you can, you, you'll hear those, but make sure you just stick with one. And the first of these languages is the language of the place of God in our life. The place of God in our life. And let's go to the Scriptures, Matthew chapter 16. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Who do people say that I am? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then He asked them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I'll build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven." Peter comes along and he declares, this is who you are. This is who you are. I know what, and Jesus says, what's the gossip about me? What is everybody else saying about me? And they say, well, some of the great prophets. He says, but who do you say? 
If someone stopped you at the, on the, at the street on the street today, if someone stopped you at work tomorrow, if someone stopped you in your family tomorrow and said, who is he for you? What would you say? What is your answer? How would you describe him? How would you describe the place of God in your life? Because, because that's the question, is, is who is God for you? I still remember the priest saying to me years ago, he said, he said it doesn't help you at all that your parents believed. And I remember him saying to me, he said, the Catholic school that you went to, it doesn't matter all of those Christian brothers who raised you. He said, the convents that you went to, the Dominican sisters and the Mercy sisters, he said, it doesn't matter if any of them believe. He said, it only matters if you do. Do you have a relationship with him? Who is he for you? How would you describe that? Simon comes along and says, you're the Messiah. You are the one we've been waiting for. You're the one who's going to rescue us. Now, you're the one who's the son of the living God. Now, do you think Simon understood, Peter understood everything that he was saying? Do you think he understood that? Well, hundreds of years later, they were still debating. The early church was debating who was Jesus. When did he know? When, 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 when did he know that he was God? Or when he was a child, did he know immediately? As soon as he was born, was he lying there in the crib? You know, one day old, lying there, intellectually capable of I'm God and I'm baby. When did that switch over? When did it flick over that he knew? You know. And, and, and so here's, here's, the church didn't even understand some of these questions for hundreds of years. And we've now come to our answers and through revelation and through tradition and through the church speaking and people understanding the Scriptures more and, and through prayer and people experience, people are able to define far more who it is. But who do we say Jesus is? And as we who are impactors, people who are attempting to impact the world with our lives, and some of us do that by doing things. Some of us impact the, uh, the world by going into the quiet of our home and our bedroom and sitting down and praying and no one ever sees us and we are more powerful than the person who stands out the front who's seen. Because we all have a different place and a different role to play. But who is God? Imagine if this was a place and we were a place. Imagine the conversation in the chat when people watch Impactors. That, you know, of, of people talking about, well, this is what, who God is. This is what God has done. This is how I experience God. This is what he says to me. This is my revelation of him. We'd be different. Yesterday, one of my grandchildren had her fifth birthday party. Imagine, imagine if all of the family gathered were people who, who, who love God, which they do, but they had the language of God's presence down because we were there and God's presence was there and, and, and people knew God was there because he's everywhere. Imagine if, if, if in where we are in our conversations, we talked about God and we, and we prayed about God and we thought about God. 
it would spill out. We would be different. And we'd change environments. Imagine if you practice for the next 30 days, I'm going to talk about who God is, what he means to me, his place in my life. And I'm going to talk about that often to anyone who, who, who I can, who's, who's the right person to say that to. Talk about, imagine if you practice that for 30 days. You'd be different. But maybe you shouldn't practice that one. Maybe you should practice this one. Um, and it's this. It's the language of the priorities of God um, for our life. The language of the priorities of God for our life. Uh, in Luke chapter 2, verse 41, it said, Every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for Passover festival. And when Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. And after the celebration was over, they started, uh, started home to Nazareth. But Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents uh, didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travellers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. And when they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. But why did you need to search, he asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. They go on a country trip one day and, uh, and, and they're returning home and, and Jesus is off probably playing with his friends, they think. If you, when, our, when we, Rosemary and I used to go camping when our kids were little and it didn't take much if you went to a camping place for our children to find other children to play with and all of a sudden they were gone for half a day type thing and they'd keep coming back to check in on you and you'd keep checking on them but they were off and they were playing and they were safe and they were, uh, and, and, and probably Mary and Joseph, they're travelling home on this long trip and thinking, well, he's with the whole group somewhere. We're all travelling together. He's with them. And when they eventually find him three days later, it says they're frantic. You know, I've been fr- your father and I have been frantic searching for you everywhere. You, you, I love that religious language in the scriptures. It really means we are really angry at you, but it, they, they tone it down because it's the Bible. And we're talking about Jesus. Imagine if you lost one of your children. Have any of you ever lost a child? We were, we were um, uh, in Sydney and we were with our daughter Scott and Melissa and their four children and it was New Year's night and there were hundreds of thousands of people out for the fireworks. And little Eden, their second oldest, got separated from the whole family and because she's only little, you couldn't see her. And the panic that came over all the adults who all immediately looked up at each other and all, and we were with some others, everybody, everybody, it was almost instant, they all walked in different directions. We'll go this way, I'll go that way, we'll go. And they found her. She was, with, she was sitting up having an ice cream with some policemen. She wasn't panicked at all, but the adults were just petrified. I mean, imagine, imagine, imagine how they felt. And yet Jesus says, Mum... Mum, uh, mum, why'd you search for me? Why'd you search for me? Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? Another translation says, didn't you know I must be about my father's business? 
The priority of Jesus, the priority of Jesus was what the Father wanted of him. Another story tells in in Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 35 and 38, and it tells the story of Jesus the night before having done a whole pile of healings in an area and miracles. And the next morning he gets up early and he wanders away to pray. And, 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 and he wanders away to pray. And, and, they, and, and when eventually the apostles find him and say, come back to town. And effectively they were saying, everybody wants you to keep going because it was so good last night. And, he, and, and what does he say? He says, he says, we must go to the other towns as well. And I'll preach to them too. That's why I came. His priority was not to go and entertain His priority was to do what God asked of him. Now, there are some of you who are retired, living in a retirement village. I recently spoke to a group of people or a number of people who are living in retirement facilities. But God's got no, there's no such thing as retirement in the kingdom of God. There's his will. And whilst we only walk through different stages, what's his will if that's you right now? What's his will if you're young? What's his will if you're in the middle stages of your life? What's his will if you've got little children? What's his will if you've got, if you've got teenagers? What's his will if you're a single uh, adult? What's his will? Do you speak that to everybody? This is what God has asked of me. This is what he's telling me that I'm meant to do. I mean, God is telling me that that's the girl I should marry. That's the boy I should marry. Uh, that's the place that I should live. That's the career that I should pursue. That's the way that I should spend my money. Sometimes we look at those things and we don't think they're spiritual, but they're the spiritual things. What would happen if you were to speak the priorities of God for your life for the next 30 days every time you were involved in conversations where it was appropriate to share? You'd be different. But maybe you shouldn't pick that one. Maybe you should choose this one, which is to speak the language of the protection of God over you, the language of the protection of God. This is, this is super important. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. Just before Jesus starts his ministry, he goes into the desert. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted, became very hungry. And during that time, the devil came and said to him, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus said to him, no, the scripture says, people do not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And if you know this story, If you know this story, again, the devil comes back and tempts him. And again, the devil comes back and tempts him. And every time he goes back to what the scriptures have said. If we are Christians, if we are Christians, the evil one will attack us. Now we live at a time when not many people talk about the devil or evil these days because, well, people don't like it. But the truth is, is that evil is real. The evil one one is opposed to you experiencing the love and the protection and the joy of God in your life. And sometimes the very things that we are trying to achieve in life, sometimes the very people that we are trying to be, evil and the devil, Satan is opposed to you. And sometimes we have to stand in the protection of God and speak the protection of God over ourselves and over our future. And particularly if you are someone who's going after God's will for your life, you're going after what God is asking of you in your life, you can be 100% assured that you will be opposed. And how you spiritually fight in the battle, 
and how you rely on the victory of Christ in the battle will make all the difference as to your success, your happiness, and the peace and the direction of your family and your life. Mark my words. The sad bit is there are many Christians who don't know how to fight. And when one of the very first steps in that is to speak the protection of God and God's will and God's grace and God's power and God's might over our life. Evil is all around us. Just have a look at our television sets in recent weeks. Just think about the women and men that you are and some of the vision and uh, the God and things he's planted in your heart and why it's so difficult. Because we're in a battle and yet the evil one's got us bluffed to give thought to everything else and to try harder when sometimes the way to overcome the struggles we have in our life is to fight spiritually and not to fight in the natural. Greater effort doesn't defeat the evil one. It just makes you tired. But maybe you shouldn't talk, do that. I have found that to be very, very, the, the protection of God and speak the protection of God to be very powerful in my life, particularly when I feel God is asking something of me because opposition always comes. And being able to be mentally, emotionally strong in those moments is critical. There are some of you who God is, uh, some of you who've got vision for your marriage. Some of you have got vision for your work. Some of you got vision for your life. And it's not working out too good because you're in a battle. And the only problem is, is you don't know it. And you're not speaking the protection that God wants of your life. But maybe you shouldn't choose that one straight away. Maybe you should choose this one. Is on the opposite side almost, is to speak the pleasure of God in our lives, to speak, to speak of the pleasure of God in our life. In Psalm 37 verse four, it says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Again, take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Is that a promise? In the scriptures, we read lots of promises that if you do this, you'll get that, cause and effect. Is that a promise? If you delight in God, if you have joy in God, if your trust is in God, if your strength is in God, if your hope is in God, that he will give you your heart's desire? Think about it. What is on your heart? What do you want? What you, if we were to bring you all up the front, somehow able to get mysteriously a microphone to all of you around the world and said to you, come stand up here. Tell us what's your heart's desire. Is the reason you are not getting it is because you're not delighting in the Lord, having joy in the Lord, trust in the Lord? And how do you express the pleasure of God? You speak it. Have a look at this in Psalm 111, verse five. It says, I will thank the Lord with all my heart as I meet with his godly people. How amazing are the deeds of the Lord. All who delight in him should ponder them. Everything he does reveals his glory and majesty. His, his righteousness never fails. He causes us to remember his wonderful works. How precious and merciful is our Lord. He gives food to those who fear him. He always remembers his covenant, his agreement. One of the things that is easy for us to do about speaking the pleasures of God is the Psalms are beautiful places to find the, of, of, of how do we speak of the pleasure of God? 
how we delight in the Lord, to delight in Him. Imagine if you came to places that prayed together. Imagine if you went to church. Imagine if you came here and the place was already brimming with enthusiasm. Years ago, I used to go to a prayer meeting and uh, I used to go to a prayer meeting years ago and it happened in the middle of the week. And about 10 minutes before it happened, the music would start just playing in the background and everybody would get there early and there were hundreds of people there and everybody was standing in their seats come the time. And often the whole crowd was clapping before they'd even said hello and even before the band had taken the stage to begin. The place was filled with the joy of God and it was a place of faith. Imagine if impact us with that. Imagine if in the 10 minutes before our services start online, if there is just like a joy and an excitement, hey, it's about to begin. Imagine if that was like it here. Imagine, imagine, imagine. But maybe you shouldn't practice that one. Maybe you should do this one. Maybe you should speak the power of God in our life, the power of God in our life, right? The power of God. Psalm 147.5, how great is our Lord. His power is absolute. His understanding is beyond comprehension. Again, how great is our Lord. His power is absolute. His understanding is beyond all comprehension. The power of God, imagine if, imagine if, we, imagine if we were to... Uh, Imagine if we were to speak of the power of God who spoke the world into existence, the God of the universe who holds everything in the palm of his hand, the, the God of, of creation who, who do nothing can prevent him from achieving his purposes. Imagine if we would, we would have the, the, to be in a place where people consistently spoke that my God is able that my God is capable. Imagine if we were that people. Our world is in need of a Christian community of people and of Christians who will live their lives fully empowered by him. And it is our words that create culture. It's our words. It's the reason why some people, some of you around the world have sent me messages to say to me, I'm not allowed to say fine anymore because you get upset. Exactly. Fine says nothing. What, what speaking honestly and openly says everything. But imagine if we took it to another level. Imagine, imagine if you were to speak about what God is doing in your heart when you met other Christian people. Imagine when you walk in the building here, if all of you were to speak about, immediately go to, I, I can, this is a safe place, I can talk my God language here. Imagine. I was in a place once where the group made a decision that they were all going to memorise a verse of Scripture and put it on a little card or carry it in their purse. And when you met people, that, and the, the, the very first thing that you did before you even said hello, you'd, you'd say to them is, what's your Scripture? Because the the Scriptures tell us that if we hide it in our heart, the Scripture says of itself, if we hide the Scriptures in our heart, at the time when we most need it, the Holy Spirit will bring it to power in us. And the reason many people don't don't have power in their life is often they don't have the power of the Scripture in them for the Holy Spirit to spark and to give them confidence in the next step in their life. 
So imagine if you were to speak the place of God in your life. Look at, the five, look at these five on the screen. The, imagine if you were to speak the place of God in our life or the priorities of God in our life, or the protection of God in our life, or the pleasure of God in our life, or the power of God in our life. And you can stop and say, well, they're kind of awkward to get your head around in a sense. And in some sense, yeah, that's true. And, and it's the kind of thing that you learn and you become, you learn the language and you become more comfortable in over time. And here's the effect of, of, of living that way, is, is when you begin to learn this language, it draws others to you. It draws to you because what happens is that you become a person that is changed because, because there's something about you becoming transformed as your language transforms your culture and allows you to experience the presence of God more deeply in, in you. Um, and finally, there's a verse of scripture. It's not up there, but I want to read it to you from Psalm 127 verse 4. It says this, the one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek the most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. Again, the one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek the most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the one thing I seek most, is to live in his house. Well, if we're to be this people, if we're to be Christians, and if we're to be Christians that change the world, we need to speak hope. And we need to speak as Christians in the world. In recent times, we've all seen the incursion of Hamas into, uh, into Israel. And we, we, we're seeing the response of Israel to that. And many people are asking the question, where's God? Or it's what's happening in the Sudan right now. And the, the mass terrorism that you see in parts of Africa. And whenever I mention one place, so many people write to me about other places, about tragedies and wars and injustice. The truth is it's all over the place. And it won't end in, as long as there's human beings on the earth. But the Christians are called to be the light of the world in that. Christians are called to speak a language of God's presence in the midst of hardship and struggle and difficulty exactly in the place where we are. We're the people of hope, not the people of wishing, but the people of hope. We live in the confidence that God is with us. And there has to be enough evidence for us to be able to change the world and that evidence comes through our language. It comes through the way we speak. It, it, is a, it is something that we learn, it is something that we are trained in, and it is a decision that we step into. Question comes, is will you do that? Because the world is in need of you, because your declaration can speak the power and the presence of God into, into situations where it would not be. And you can bring peace and harmony into places where words, words are inconsolable, in the sense of, in the sense of, they don't, the human words don't fix things. It's it's God's word that will fix it, and we can be those people by our lives. And so, what happens if we make a decision to change? If we make a decision to change, uh, because we can. And so, I want to encourage you to choose one of those five things. Choose one, and then go through the hard work of understanding what does that mean. How would I do that? 
who are the safe people or where are the, where's the appropriate places to speak that way and to allow myself to be changed. And you'll need to do the work of maybe making some notes on each of those and thinking to yourself, well, how would I speak the priorities of God? What are God's priorities in my life? This is what God has asked me to do. This is where he's asked me to go. How would you speak about the protection of God? You probably would need to go and look at the scriptures and say, how does God protect me? How does God protect me in my family? How does God protect me in the circumstances I'm in, in my work? How does God protect me in the things that he's put on my heart? You've got to do the work of those things and then speak those. It isn't, it isn't easy, uh, but it is not difficult. But it does take work to learn how to do. Imagine, imagine if that was you. Imagine if that was me. Imagine the lives that we could change. Loving God, I just give you thanks and I give you praise, Lord, because you call us to be different. Our words declare the difference that's within us because of your presence in us. Lord God, we just ask that you would bless us, transform us and change us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And Father, we make this prayer in your precious name. Amen. I want to take up our offering right now. We call our giving our offering. We don't call it a collection. We're not just collecting money to pay bills. What we're doing is we're giving people an opportunity to worship God and to offer their lives in worship to God through their giving. And the scriptures tell us right from the very beginning that it is, that it is in the giving of our lives that we say to God, this is the priority that you have in our life. And you can't tell God that he has priority in your life if that's not expressed in physical ways, in the things that we do. Now we take the funds that you contribute to the ministry, that I contribute, that you contribute to the ministry, and we take that. And what happens is that God uses it for his glory more and more. One of the things that Rosemary and I have learned to do through the years in the offering right now is that we've discovered that the more we contribute, the greater the blessing there is upon our lives. And, and I would encourage you in that. Uh, we receive many, many letters to the ministry all the time from all over the world. And the reason that we are able to do what we do is because of your offering, the priority of laying down your life in order that, that others would know Christ. Uh, someone's written this and said, I can't thank you enough. I enjoy receiving your daily devotionals and impactors and look forward to joining every day. The way you explain the scriptures and pray is so good. It encourages me to want to pick up my Bible and pray, which I've not done before. I went to a Catholic school from five to 18. Uh, I went to Catholic church every Sunday, but it was just routine and didn't mean much. But listening to you explain things have made a world of difference to me and I'm sure to many more. You made that, you touched that person's life. Oh, well, yes, I might speak the words, but it was us together. Um, someone else write, and said this, hello, Bruce, I would like to say thank you. Keep up the good work. My wife and I've been listening to your daily devotionals for some time. Your daily devotionals have been a constant renewal of faith and anchor in the flow of life. I can't imagine now listen, not listening to you every morning. I've witnessed my wife's beautiful faith grow and blossom in life. She's a true inspiration to me and you underpin her knowledge and love of the Lord. Thank you. And again, all I can say is thank you to you because you made that possible. Someone else wrote and said this, 
For me, your work has given me something I seem to struggle with my whole life. That's an opportunity to consciously bring God into my life each day. With the best intentions in the business of family and work, etc., it just didn't always happen. I feel my relationship with God has grown enormously in the past couple of years. I pray each day and have a much stronger awareness of God's presence in my life. There have been several times in that period where I was absolutely certain God was walking with me and directly and directing the outcome of things happening to my life. And again, that's you. Other people have written and said this, this is my third time of listening uh, to you and I'm so overwhelmed by the message that you're bringing today. Someone else wrote, he makes the messages so easy to follow. Uh, This message today and this weekend is so powerful. Someone else wrote, I watch several times a week. This is impacting me in ways I never expected. And someone else wrote, Bruce played a huge part in bringing B back to the church. Um, And someone else wrote and said, Dear Bruce, I've been watching you on YouTube for several months. Your words were so inspiring that I decided to become Catholic and was confirmed last Sunday. Thank you for your inspiring words. Want to know something? I know I speak the words, but you are the ones who make it possible for that to do through your offering. So when we take up our offering right now, we're not collecting money. What we are doing is we're giving of our lives, giving of our substance in order that the kingdom of God can be proclaimed even more. And so right now, wherever you are, we can pass the buckets or the baskets uh, along the rows where you are, Uh, and in the rooms you are, or or you can go directly if you're online uh, to the Give tab or to this address, and I pray that you would be abundantly blessed. Let me pray before we go. Loving Father, I give you thanks for the privilege of being able to give our substance to you. I never used to think of it that way, but Lord God, I've seen you do in my life and Rosemary's life so much because of the privilege we have to give. And as we give in this offering today, we pray your blessing upon us and upon everybody else that would give. And we thank you, Lord God, that you become more real in our life every day. And Father, we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, God bless you all, everybody. Well, thank you, everybody, for being with us. I pray that wherever you are, that you do know that God is with you exactly in the place where you are.